You're listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. For more information on services and events at our Simpsonville and Greenville locations, visit us online at therenovation.church. Today's message is presented by our Simpsonville teaching pastor, Jason Thompson. We are in a series called Fear Not. And I have heard, you might have seen it on a number of memes on social media, that there is... 365 examples of fear not in the Bible, one for each day. And I hate to be that guy, but that is a myth. I hate all things untrue. So I'm just going to throw it out there. If you see that, just know, I don't know who started that. I don't know what the deal is with that. But sometimes things that are fuzzy and and whatever, you know, if they're untrue, then they're not good. All right. And so just rip it out. All right. That's what, that's, that's what I believe. The problem with uh, kind of like buying into things that are untrue is when you, when you repeat them and then you get caught, like when find, if people find out that they're not true, then you lose credibility. So I don't want anybody to go through that, but I do want you to be encouraged that fear not is in the Bible a lot. It's one of, it's not the most uh, commanded thing in the Bible, but it's one of the most frequent commandments in the Bible. And no matter how you count it, it's at least in there 70 times, sometimes you could say maybe over 100 It's in there a lot, and God says this to his people because he does not want us to live in fear. He wants us to have peace of mind. And so I'm going to take us to two different passages where there is a fear not statement in here. And they're going to be two very different passages, but the first one is in Revelation chapter 1. So if you'll turn in your Bibles with me, and if you don't have a Bible with you, you can just grab one from the pew there. Revelation is the last book of the Bible. It's pretty easy to find because at the very end. But we're looking at chapter 1 of Revelation, starting with verse 9. And here is John, the apostle John here is just sitting in exile on the island of Patmos, and he's just praying in the spirit, and then he has this wild, wild experience. So here we go. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos. Because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. He's exiled because he won't stop talking about his testimony and the word of God. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit. And I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamum, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned around, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. And then he placed his right hand on me and said, I'm going to stop there just for a second. I think we often read scripture and it's just kind of familiar to us or we're just kind of used to the way scripture is and we just kind of lose sight of these moments and just how significant they are. But this is a crazy scene. 
I mean, John's just minding his business, spending some time with the Lord on a Sunday, on the Lord's day, and then this voice comes out of nowhere. And he turns and he sees this being of incredible power and holiness. Can you imagine how terrifying that would be? Like, can you imagine what that moment would be like? Like, we have no frame of reference for this, and so I know it's a silly analogy, but I want to bring it into, like, the, the real world for us, all right? I want you to imagine that you were walking through a forest, just spending some time with God, minding your own business, just feeling the Spirit on you. As you're walking in, you hear this forest, you, you hear a twig snap, and you turn around and there is a 12-foot grizzly bear on its hind legs, all right? Huge claws and just teeth, and it's just roaring above you, and you just look up, and I mean, what would your reaction be? Like, the only natural reaction you would have there is to just fall on your face and play dead. Like, that's, that's the most logical reaction to having that. It would be terrifying. And you know that you have no chance. You can't outrun a grizzly. One swipe of its paw, you're a goner. Like, you know that you are, like, helpless in this moment. Even more so for John, he is looking at the Son of God in his awesome glory with hair white as snow. Why is it white as snow? Because it's a symbol of his purity. He is holy and he is pure. And he's wearing this robe, again, all the way down to his, his feet, because, again, he is this royal figure and this holy figure, a holy priesthood. And then his feet, it says, like, it's, it's glowing bronze. And so it's, like, just right out of the furnace how bronze would look, just glowing. And his eyes are, like, blazing like fire. And then when he speaks, it's like the sound of rushing water. Have you ever been at the base of an intense waterfall where you just can't hear yourself think? My, my family just recently went to uh, Niagara Falls, and I had been to Niagara Falls on a number of occasions, and it's, it's beautiful. It's just one of the seven wonders of the world. It's amazing. But I had never done one of the tours where you kind of get down low and kind of go underneath the tunnel of it or walk beside it. Well, we did one of those, and we walked right beside it, and it's, it's just hard to encapsulate just how powerful that waterfall is. As you're walking beside it, you're literally, you're going to get blown aside. You have to wear a raincoat because just the splashing of the rocks and the mist that comes at you is just drenching you and it's nearly knocking you over. And that is just a spray from the side of it. That is not the impact of it. But you can't hear yourself think even beside it. And so here is the voice of God like the roar of thunder and of, of, of rushing waters. He's just in his room in Patmos. Like, what is going on? And it says his, his words, and it, it says it's like a double-edged sword here. And again, where have we heard that before? That phrase is used when it's talking about Scripture, about the holy word of God. But when Jesus speaks, every word that comes out of his mouth is the word of God, because he is God. And so, and, and, and it is a weapon because it divides truth from lies, from good and evil. And so this is what is, is oppressing. This is why John just falls down as though he were dead. But then, then, then Jesus, he placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. 
I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Write, therefore, what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of seven churches, and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. Now, we don't have time to get into all the Revelation stuff, all right, and the, the churches and the lampstands and the, all this stuff. The lampstands are just the, the seven churches, but like these were just seven of many churches, and so most people, scholars agree that this is talking about the church as a whole, and that these seven different churches are just kind of representative of the types of churches that we'll see throughout history during that time, but also in times in the future, and he's talking about these things. And it's interesting, this word angel can also be representative of uh, the term messenger also. So it's either the angel that is there for protection over the seven churches, all right, or it could be the primary pastoral element, the, the, the apostle over the seven churches, the, the leader of the seven churches could be any of those kind of things, but it's supposed to be representative of the leaders of the church, the angels protecting the church, and the churches as a whole, and he's speaking to these things. But my focus is this. God is worthy of our fear. God is worthy of our fear. You're like, Jason, this is the Fear Not series. What are you doing? I get that. But Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If we don't understand the need to fear God and we don't understand that he is worthy of our fear, then we can't move forward in the peace that he offers The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And it is once we recognize that he is this awe-inspiring being, this terrifying figure, all-powerful, omniscient, you can't escape. And once you recognize that the only natural response to this God is to fall down on your face as though you were dead and just worship him, once you get to that point that you realize you can do nothing against his will, that you are helpless and that you are in need of a savior. When you get to that place of brokenness and give him your life and turn it over to him, then this is what he does. He reaches out a hand, he lifts us up and he says, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid for I am with you. As awe-inspiring as God is, and as powerful as he is, and we just get glimpses of it, how he revealed his character was that he sent his son in the flesh. Even though he can, he could, he could end anyone with a word, he's like, let me show you my heart. And he sent Jesus to live as a common man so he would not be intimidating so that he would be relatable, so he could model for us exactly how we're supposed to live. And it was in that man, he was like, look, this is who I am. I am gentle, I am lowly, I am humble, I am unassuming. I want to come beside you and be your friend. I wanna come beside you and be the savior that lays down his life for his friends. 
I am this person that will spend day and night healing the sick, casting out demons, teaching you the way of God. This is my heart. But he is both of these things. And anytime that we lose sight of his glory and his power and his majesty, then we have a tendency to go away from the right path and down another path. That's why the fear of God, the awe and the reverence of a holy God is the beginning of wisdom and that sets us down a path where we make good and healthy choices. And it is when we know that we are in his will, doing what he says and living the way that he is called because that's the only way that works. He has designed this world to only work his way. And if you live a life of love, and of selflessness, and of peace, and of joy, and all these things, you live the way that he says, following his commandments, then you experience all the peace and joy that he offers us. You experience all the good things that he has in store. And he never says it's gonna be easy. He, he promises us that it'll be hard at times, and there'll be trials, and there'll be temptations, and there'll be hardships, but he says, if you live my way, then I assure you that I'll be with you. So the point number two that I want to share with you this morning is this. If we fear God, then we have nothing else to fear. If we fear God, then we have nothing else to fear. We have this great big God beside us who says he is with us and he is for us. So who can stand against us? Why are we worried about tomorrow? Why are we concerned about the hardships that come in our way? If we know that he is good and he, we know that he is our heavenly father who is for us and with us, then we know that he's gonna work all these things out for his good. We know that he has got us under his protection, under his control, that everything that happens, he's allowing to happen for whatever his reasons are, but they're always good for, for those that love him. And so knowing that, knowing that no one can hurt us with him by our side, we have nothing left to fear. And that is an amazing way to live. Which brings me to another passage, another, the second fear not passage I want to share with you this morning. And it is found in Isaiah, Isaiah 41. So if you, again, I want you to turn and look at this. Because it's powerful, it's powerful what he says here. I'm going to start reading with verse 8. And this is what it says. And understand that this is... Isaiah receiving prophecies from the Lord, and the Lord is speaking directly, and he's speaking to the people of Israel, his chosen people. And they're living in sin, they're not doing what's right, and he's trying to show them the difference between what happens when you turn away from God and reject him and go your own way and don't have his protection, to when you have his protection, all right? And so this is, this is a promise for the future for when Israel actually turns their heart towards him, and he says this, In verse eight, but you, Israel, my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, you descendants of Abraham, my friend, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. All, you who, rage, all who rage against you will surely be ashamed and disgraced. 
Those who oppose you will be as nothing and perish. Those through you, though you search for your enemies, you will not find them. Those who wage war against you will be as nothing at all. For I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear. I will help you. Do not be afraid, you worm, Jacob, little Israel. Do not fear, for I myself will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. Your enemies will be as nothing, as if they didn't even exist. I will strike them down. He says over and over again, do not fear. And you're like, Jason, but that's, that's for Israel. Does that apply to us? Yes, yes. When Jesus died for our sins, he adopted us into his family. We became his chosen people also. We have the same inheritance. These promises are for us because we are also a chosen people. And so he promises us that our enemies will fold before us, that we have nothing to fear with him by our side. He will take us with his right hand and there is nothing at all that can stop us. So why do we struggle with anxiety? Why do we struggle with fear and worry? Why are we so concerned about what's happening in our lives? Why do we get so down because things are so hard? Now I understand that there, sometimes there are, there are chemical things going on that need God's healing and, and maybe medical intervention. I, I know all these things. But I am talking about a consistent pattern and habits of just struggling with, with fear and insecurity. I'm telling you that God wants to take those out of your life. He wants to give you a help. And I'm convinced that the only reason those things plague the church are for one of three reasons or a combination of these three. The first is that we lack understanding. We just, we just don't know who God is. We don't fully understand how good he is. Uh, that he is a, a, a father that is a better father than we could ever be. And that he is a better friend than we could possibly ever be to anyone. And that he knows everything and cares about all these things and is watching over and that he is for us. And that he is working everything to us. We can't see it. We don't see his plans because he's so far above us and is working things in so many, working on so many different levels. We don't see it, but he is working all these things out to our good. So for, for some, it's just they, they don't know. They don't fully know who he is. The second reason is we lack faith. We know he is those things intellectually, but we have a hard time believing he's those things for us. That he truly cares about my situation. That he is working these things out for my good. And so we struggle with faith. And the third, and I think the most frequent reason, is we lack focus. We take our eyes off Jesus and we're immersed in the world and we're, we're, 
we're selfish pursuits and we're, we're, we're paying attention to all the lies of the enemy and we just lose focus of who he is and what we believe. And in those moments, we allow the fear and the stress and the anxiety and the doubt and the insecurity to creep in. So what do we do about this? This is why this gathering of believers is so important. So we can hear the truth and let it be received so that we can gather with other believers and motivate each other and encourage one another. But it also takes spending time in the word, meditating on scripture, not just reading it to check off a box on a, on a list, but to actually meditate on what the truths that he's saying, that he's trying to tell us, and just make that part of us. And then being thankful for the times he has showed up and going back to the victories and remembering them and saying, God, you came through then. I know you're going to come through again. And he just kept, just say that to yourself over and over again. And then it's just walking in faith step by step. How do you grow your faith? You say yes one time after another. Just little yeses, one after another, and those yeses build into stronger and stronger faith. If you trust him, he just becomes more and more trustworthy. He proves himself over and over again. And we do these things, and we keep growing in these ways. I missed the time uh, my kids were, were in that super cute age of four and five. You know, that is just like a sweet zone, all right? They're so cute that they're potty trained, first of all. That, that's out of the way, all right? That's important, all right, to get to the good times, all right? And then once that happens, then they're just this super cute, cuddly uh, child who just, they just love, they want to see the world, and they're excited about it, and they, and they just, but they also just have this love. And uh, when Rivers was young, he had this habit of, he wanted to go places and see things and, and experience the world, but he also wanted to like cling to my leg as he was doing so, right? Like, so he would have a death grip on my leg, but he would point to where he wanted me to take him, right? And at times, the, the more scary or intimidating the experience was, he would sometimes just like go between my legs and just kind of crawl in between. I'm like, buddy, I'm having a hard time walking here. But he would just be kind of like dragging me. Come on, come on, daddy. Let's go look at this. And I remember uh, going to the zoo with him for the first time or one of, the, one of the early times. And he was so excited to see the next thing. But like, there's all these strange people and these scary animals. But he's, he has like a death grip on my leg, but he's like pointing where he wants to go. And so, of course, we would go there and do, and do these things, and I would, I would walk with them. But occasionally, he would get so enthralled with one of the animals that he would uh, just go off by himself and go up to the cage and, like, look at it very carefully, all right? And at those times, I, I didn't, I gave him his space. Because part of parenting is, is letting your children grow and learn things and, and not having them be dependent on you. You gotta give them some independence, all right, and so I, there's no way I'm taking my eyes off him, all right, he's four, right, I'm, my eyes are on him, he's safe, but he's away from me, and he's, he's experiencing this, this new animal behind the barrier, and then there would come a moment when he would notice his surroundings, and dad's not there, and it's just like the most heartbreaking thing, because you just see this little face start to crumble as he, he doesn't know where his dad is, and he's looking around and he's suddenly very scared. And as soon as I see that face go that way, of course, I'm calling out, hey buddy, I'm right here. I'm right behind you. 
and he turns to the sound of my voice and he comes running back to me, clean onto my leg. Now he doesn't know that if any of those animals got out of that cage, like I'm not much help to him. Like, like if a hippo or a lion gets out, like I'm done for, right? Like I, I can't stop him from being trampled. Now, don't get me wrong, I would die trying, but it would be a very quick and very messy death, right? But just being back by my side, clinging onto my leg, he had no more fear. He had a sense of security. I want to suggest to you that if you are struggling with fear and insecurity, perhaps you've just wandered too far from the Father. He's always watching. He's completely aware of all the decisions that you're making. You may not feel close to him right now because this is a time of training, of growth, increasing your endurance, or it could be discipline, allowing you to go your own way for a little while until you realize it's not better than his way. But he's always watching. He's always there. The moment you call out, he will respond and he will be there for you. And we have this great and powerful and mighty God at our side who no enemy can defeat. You're clinging to his leg, then you have nothing to fear because there's no enemy that can do anything to you. He is with us and he is for us, so nothing can stand against us. And because we have that, that power at our side, we have nothing to fear. And so I want to close today's service with one of my all-time favorite songs. It's a reminder that we serve the great I Am. And at the very mention of his name, the mountains tremble and the demons run and flee. I want you to embrace this song as your calling card today and say, this is my God and I'm gonna to cling to him because I have nothing to fear with him by my side. So will you stand with us and let's worship our God. Thanks for listening to the Renovation Church Sermon Podcast. Find out more about following Jesus and building his kingdom at therenovation.church.